climate justice is really about ensuring that people who are being impacted by climate change right now and young people who will inherit climate change actually have uh, justice. And, and that means taking action right now to prevent impacts and also working with communities who are already being impacted to help them to say, okay, if someone has coastal erosion and their community is being flooded all the time, how are we going to help them? Are we going to build a seawall? Are we going to build pumps, stop burning fossil fuels? You know, what are we going to do to actually help people who are being impacted right now? Are you ready to be the change you want to see in the world? Are you ready to make choices that have a positive impact on your daily life, your community, and the planet? You are in the right place. I'm Anne-Therese Gennari. And I'm Robin Shaw. And this is the Hate Change Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to Hey Change and to this wonderful conversation we're having with Sonaji Artees, the 21-year-old founder, co-executive director, and policy director for the global youth-led climate justice organization Zero Hour. Sonaji has been featured in a number of publications for his work on climate justice and climate policy, including the New York Times, Teen Vogue, and Edie. Sonaji is also the co-author of a kid's book about climate change and co-host of 1.5 a kid's podcast about climate justice. We spoke to Zanaji about the intersectionality of climate justice and the many ways that we can be involved in the climate movement. We also got to hear about incredible trip that he has coming up in March of 2022. Zanaji will travel to Antarctica with the 2041 project as an ambassador for the Global Choices Arctic Angels Network to raise awareness about the importance of protecting polar ice. Sanaji also invites U.S.-based Hey Change podcast listeners to join him in D.C. for the People versus Fossil Fuels Action. That's October 11th through 15th. It's an opportunity for us to put pressure on the Biden administration to take action on climate change and to support youth-led climate action. I'm so excited to share this episode with you because Zanaji talks about the importance of intersectionality in terms of age, as well as other aspects of the human experience. This is an incredible episode to be inspired and support the youth-led action that is driving us towards a climate-just future. Let's dive in. Sanaji, we are so thrilled to have you on Hey Change Podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So you are that cool kid that I wish I was when I was in high school. At that age, I was well aware of climate change and honestly desperate to do something about it, but I had no idea what to do or where to start. And it felt like at that time, honestly, no one else cared and I had no power to do anything. And that was, I have to say, a bit over 10 years ago. <laughs> so a lot has changed since then, but not enough. And I'm so grateful for youth like yourself stepping up and taking stage and demanding radical change. So can you please share the story of how Zero Hour got started and maybe like the short version of the journey that it brought you on? 
Yeah, definitely. And that's awesome that you were aware of climate change uh, and all that's happening with it in high school, because honestly, I really wasn't that much. And I was really interested in sustainability and reducing plastic waste and all of that. I grew up on the shoreline of Connecticut. And so that's what got me involved in environmental work. But really didn't get involved in climate work until starting Zero Hour. And so I met our co-founders at a summer program one year, and we all got together and wanted to create some kind of collection, collective action that young people are leading to make change and act on climate justice. And so we were founded in 2017 uh, with that goal and wanting to have this youth-led action specifically because we couldn't vote. And so uh, this was just after the 2016 election. Uh, we, we knew that climate change wasn't something that was talked about in the election, wasn't something the administration was working on. But as young people, we wanted to use our voices and make sure that the government knew that we did care. And even though we couldn't vote in that election, we wanted to march and we wanted to take action. And so in July of 2018, the year after we started, we hosted the Youth Climate March in Washington, D.C. and in over 25 locations here in the U.S. and around the world with the single idea that we are out of time and that we have to act right now for climate justice. Wow. That's amazing. And that's actually um, when I joined in the world of activism was during the climate marches. So I'm really grateful and I feel like deeply connected to that as my personal activation point to become much more involved. So thank you. And it's such a powerful point that you make that, you know, there's so many people who care who are not yet eligible to vote. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's something that I think a lot of like older adults might not consider you know, this has become such a big movement. You've been featured in publications like the New York Times, your Time 100, you know, speaker. You've been called one of nine climate activists of color. You should know by Teen Vogue. This is huge, major publications giving you this kind of recognition. When did you realize like, wow, this has become really big? Thank you for that question. I think that honestly, there's moments all the time that I'm thinking like, wow, this is, this is really big. We're making so much progress. And at times it's really hard to see. But I think that one of the, the biggest things is that we are seeing so many more youth-led climate organizations, so many more movements, the Sunrise Movement, Fridays for Future internationally, um, all these other groups that are being led by youth here in the U.S. and all around the world showing that they truly do care about this issue. Because when I first started out, working on plastic waste, I thought I'm, I'm one person in my high school and only a few other people are working with me who care. And then after the marches, we see this explosion of activity and all these people around the world are saying, okay, I can do this too. And I can act on climate justice. And so that, that was really huge for me. I think that's what you just said that is, is so important because I feel like that's how I felt, right? For so many years, like, it's just me, no one else cares. And it was literally just because I didn't organize, like I didn't reach out and say, who else cares about this? Like, what can we do together? And I think it's so empowering when you, when you start to create that sort of community and all you can start with just asking the person next to you, like, Hey, you know, this thing about climate change really, you know, it, it scares me and I'm worried about like, like, what can we do? And from that point, you start taking some action and then it grows. And before you know it, like it blows up and becomes this huge thing. And you realize I'm not alone in this. 
there's so many of us who, who want to, to make a difference. And if we come together, like, like who knows what we can do? So I just want to kind of like just plug that because for anyone who's listening, you might feel very, very alone or desperate and feeling like, you know, we don't have it, you know, there's no chance that we can get this right. There are so many of us who want to get this right. So what if we come together and just do stuff? So just a little plug for anyone who's listening. And I want to ask you because you've done so much incredible work in such a short amount of time, but what have you learned so far from like in your work with Zero Hour? Like what has been maybe harder or even easier than you first thought starting out? So I definitely have learned a lot. I think that one major thing is really understanding that people are willing to hold solidarity and to take action uh, for the places that we call home locally, but also environments around the world, the poles, the Amazon, coral reefs and places. And that's really exciting to see too, because now we're seeing okay, people aren't just caring about their environments at home. They're also willing to engage in solidarity work with other environments, other people all over the world. And that's really awesome to see. And then I've also learned that change takes time and honestly, time that we don't really have. But mm. when we first started out, we organized for a whole year from 2017 to 2018 and holding these marches. And we thought we're going to go to Washington, we're gonna march from the National Mall, past Congress, and we're going to be heard. And actually, before the march, we had a lobby day where we met with over 50 U.S. senators on Capitol Hill. And we heard good things. We delivered our platform. We told them what we wanted by 2020, by 2030, by 2040 for environmental justice. And we thought this action would force the president to take action. It would force Congress to act. And that just wasn't the case. And so now we were in this position where, okay, we, we mobilized, we made our voices heard, and we're still waiting. Mm-hmm. And I think that also made me learn about the, the influence of money in politics, the influence of different yes. actors and <laughs> the fossil fuel industry itself. And that was really hard and made us think about, like, is our movement working? But then I think we also learned a lot about the immense power and progress of our movement in the 2020 election, when the majority of the candidates for president in the Democratic primary supported the resolution for a Green New Deal. And I'm learning from mentors and and people who have been in this movement for so long, talking about how much progress there has been and, and understanding that there are people in the movement right now who have been working on this issue for generation. And this really is an intergenerational movement. And that's really exciting uh, because there are people who can mentor, who can pass this on and who can engage in this work alongside us. That's amazing. And it's so inspiring because the amount of pressure that you have been able to put, you know, to put on our leaders, it's so vital to keep moving forward. And I know as well for myself, sometimes it feels like we're barely making any progress, but when you look at it from the big picture, we really are moving in the right direction. I'm just so incredibly grateful for you and people like you who are taking up this cause, you know, at your age. So thank you for that. I also want to plug before we move on, because something that really came to me as you were talking, Sanaji, is we tend to feel like, okay, now the youth is stepping up and speaking up and asking for change. And like you said, like so many people have worked on this for a really long time. They have a lot of experience to know, you know, how things work and how 
you know, what, what could be the most strategic way to go about this. And I think making it intersectional, not just in terms of race and, and background, but also like age, right? Like we have different kind of qualities. As youth, we might have more energy and willpower. And from someone who's been in this field for a long time and starting to like maybe lose hope, they need that new energy, but they also have the experience. And so I think just coming back to like, okay, how can we connect more? Like just continue to just intersect more and and learn from one another and come together. And something that I keep coming back to later is, you know, the 80-20 rule. It's actually a previous guest that told me that like she was trying to really work on the 80-20 rule of like, you know, perfection is not going to get us there. We have to just keep showing up. And sometimes you might be organizing and mobilizing for a whole year like you did. And then you expect this kind of result and it just doesn't happen. And so, you know, like you got to keep going. You got to pick ourselves up and try again and connect with new people and just keep, 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 keep going. And it's hard to find that energy. But I think the more we come together and intersect and learn from one another, you know, the bigger power we have. So I just wanted to kind of follow up on what you said, because I think that's really important to remember. Yeah, that's definitely right. I think that it's so important to ground ourselves in this idea of having an intergenerational movement, because the Youth Climate March would not have happened if we didn't have mentors who were there with us along the way, guiding us. I mean, I didn't know about climate justice, uh, what that even meant before I heard about it from uh, mentors. And so it's just like this immense treasure trove of knowledge that we can tap into and also the fact that young people can breathe so much life into the movement at the same time. And so I've, I've really enjoyed that. That's been one of my favorite things about organizing is meeting so many different people with different knowledge and shared experiences and all of that to help us out. Yeah. And before we move on to, do you want to just briefly tell us like what is climate justice to you for anyone who's listening might be new to the podcast and is still becoming familiar with terms and what things mean. Can you just briefly explain climate justice in your words? Sure. So climate justice is actually, it's a really hard thing to define, but I think that a lot of times the movement couches it in the idea of the Green New Deal and this vision that we can have a better future that is just for everyone, where everyone has access to clean air, to clean water, um, to education about pollution, about the impacts on our planet from fossil fuel industry, from extraction, nuclear waste, all of these different things related to the environment. And climate justice is really about ensuring that people who are being impacted by climate change right now and young people who will inherit climate change actually have uh, justice. And, and that means taking action right now to prevent impacts and also working with communities who are already being impacted to help them to say, okay, if someone has coastal erosion and their community is being flooded all the time, how are we going to help them? Are we going to build a seawall? Are we going to build pumps, stop burning fossil fuels? You know, what are we going to do to actually help people who are being impacted right now. Yes, totally. And Therese, did you want to add anything to that? Because I know like this is such a, it's such a big, important topic and concept. And I think we, we talk about climate justice a lot. Did you want to say anything as well about that, Antares? Well, I think he's, he's right that it's hard to sort of put words to what that is because it is so big and so intersectional. But I think to remember that climate justice, it's about more than just 
aiming for carbon neutral world. It's not just about like, what is the next technology that was just going to, you know, bring us over the hill and into like this climate optimistic world. I think we have to remember that there is so many other factors that, co that come to play that we have to remember. And, you know, how are people being traded in all of this? And, and we've talked to Teju on a previous podcast, a lot about this, about colonialism and, you know, how, who is being exploited on this journey. And we have to be better at thinking about everything at once. And I know that's another huge challenge in an already really big challenge, which is climate change. But we're not going to reach a climate just future unless we really look at it from an intersectional landscape and think about, you know, how are people being treated? Who is being affected most about cl from climate change right now? Are their voices being heard? And how will they continue to be heard moving forward? And also, I want to give a vote to Mother Nature herself, you know, like what are the about the animals and all the species on this planet that are not human beings, that don't have voices to speak with. And they can't take to the street to make signs like who are speaking on their behalf. And I think that's what to me, what climate justice is about is like really looking at it from a just umbrella overlaying huge picture um, and making sure that we include everyone in this journey. Do you yeah. want to add something? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so, it's so big. That's why I just thought, you know, we, let's just take a moment to discuss this, you know, this huge, this huge, you know, topic. I think to me, when I think of ju climate justice, the word that comes to mind is intersectional and it's, it's looking at not just the effects on the environment, but You know, like you mentioned, Zanaji, you know, talking about, you know, all the different people and Aunt Therese, you mentioned like the animals and the planet, looking at all of the different people and species and the earth, the ways that the planet has been affected, how we all have been affected by something that's not an accident. We didn't accidentally create a situation where we are now dealing with a change in climate. You know, we've known about this for decades and the fossil fuel industry continues to move forward and continues to have so much power. So to me, when I think about the justice part of climate justice, it's holding corporations and people accountable and shifting the power dynamics so that those who have been left to suffer now have their fair share of access. So yeah, it's a big juicy topic that we're, you know, that we're trying to come at from all these sides. And you know, like you both mentioned, you know, being open to hearing all of the voices that are making requests for how we can live harmoniously on this planet together. That I think yeah. for me is what climate justice is about. Yeah, definitely. And I think also just really important to emphasize that this was a choice and This was a decision made by industry, made by elected officials to mm -hmm. put us in the position we're in today. And climate justice is, is about protecting our futures, but it's also a choice we can make right now. And there is still opportunity every day to include people on the front lines who are being impacted, including them in decision-making processes. President Biden still has a chance to stop Line 3, to stop impacts for Indigenous people And, and protect water and do the right thing. Stop uh, oil and gas leasing globally. And yeah, there, there are so many things. We know COP26 is coming up. So many things that people can commit to right now for climate justice. And so important to note that every day people are making decisions, companies are making decisions, and every day we have the option to change And that's never going to change uh, 
well, until we run out of time. But <laughs> uh, we, we think that we think that that's not going to happen. So we do have a chance to continue making changes. Thanks yeah. for plugging change on Hey Change Podcast because that's what we're all about. You know, it's like <laughs> literally every single day waking up to this realization that we have the option to choose change. And so I want to just, you know, it's so simple and it might sound like, yeah, I know I can change, but like, no, you have the power today to make an actual choice to change things. Even if that's just in your own life, like we have the power to choose change. And I think we have to really understand how powerful that is. So anyways, I'm getting off here. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, that's what we're all about is, is change and optimism that we can make this happen. Looking into the future. Sanaji, you have been selected as the winner of the Global Choices Antarctica 2041 Expedition Competition in the March of 2022. You're going on a life-changing expedition with Robert Swan, OBE, one of the world's greatest polar explorers. That is huge. First of all, congratulations. How excited are you? And can you share with us and our listeners what is this expedition all about and what is it that you're hoping to achieve there? Yeah, I am thrilled to be going. I think that this is going to be the opportunity of a lifetime. And I've always been fascinated by the poles and the, the life that inhabits those places. And so I'm really excited to go. And yeah, so the competition was hosted by Global Choices, which is a female-led intentionally intergenerational organization that is driving action on the polar ice crisis and prioritizing the Arctic and the Antarctic global commons. And so what I'll be doing when I go down there is I will be on the ice crisis front lines and sharing my experience in Antarctica um, with thought leaders, with policymakers, with business leaders, and more to really call attention to the fact that we can't plant ice. And once that melts, it's gone. And so we have to take action on climate change right now uh, because polar ice is crucial to global climate stability. Yet on the watch of our policymakers and business leaders around the world, it is continuing to melt and is headed for extinction. And in less than three decades, we've lost 28 trillion tons of ice. And that amount is enough to cover the entire United Kingdom in a 100 meter thick ice blanket. Wow. That's massive. So we really have to act right now. And now I'll be going down to Antarctica to experience it firsthand and work on this issue with people who also care get down there, learn about what's happening with climate in Antarctica, and also join Global Choices in calling for an urgent 10-year moratorium to protect the Central Arctic Ocean Ice Shield and the ecosystem in Antarctica from exploitation. And so we're going to be taking lots of action in, for the Arctic and the Antarctic. And this trip is really uh, an experience for me to share a story of change that's happening right now and tell it to the world. So incredible. And I feel like, I mean, if I think about the ice sheets, it's just, it's been like sort of the brand of climate change for so long. Like we think about climate change, like, oh, the ice sheets are melting. Like we kind of all know that, but it's so hard to make that personal connection of like, what does that actually mean? You know, like it almost feels like you're watching a movie and you can just turn it off and everything will be good again. But like, no, mm -hmm. they continue to melt. 
even if we can't see it or not. And so I think it's going to be so incredibly powerful for you to go down there and see it firsthand. And like, I'm, I'm jealous um, or not. I mean, I don't know. It could be a really traumatic experience also, but I think like being there with all these leaders and for someone who's listening now, who's like, well, what's that going to do? You know, like just flying people in from all over the world. And like, that's just furthering, you know, fueling climate change, but there's something to be said about being there and seeing it firsthand and being together with other powerful people and people who really care because you can create a lot of momentum on a trip like that. And then also I know that this expedition is intended to be as carbon neutral as possible, if not carbon negative, because it's going to be a lot of offsetting and it's a very intentional trip to begin with. So it's not just about like flying in some rich people to exploit the earth further. Just want to clarify that. And so happy for you. Congratulations again. Do you want to share, like, do you know where we could potentially follow this? Is there going to be some sort of sharing of this event or What's the best way to, to know what's going on while you're there? Yeah, so people can follow along at globalchoices.org. And they can also follow the expedition on Instagram at GC Arctic Angels. And when I'm down there, I'll be an ambassador for the international uh, youth-led Arctic Angels Network that Global Choices organizes. So you can head to their social media or their website to follow along with the expedition and also at the 2041 Project site. Awesome. Thank you. And we're also going to have Sally, who is the founder of Global Choices on Hate Change as well. So check out her episode also if you want to learn more about what they're doing. I want to also talk about something else that you're doing because you, I, I don't know how you've done all this in such a short amount of time, but you also co-authored a book called A Kid's Book About Climate Change. And you're a co-host of 1.5, A Kid's Podcast About Climate Justice. How important is it, you think, to educate the youth about climate change? So working on those projects was really important for me because for my co-author and I, we knew that this wasn't a resource that we had when we were young. There wasn't a book about climate change to teach us or to talk about climate justice. And this is crucial because younger children deserve to know what's happening to the environment and know about the future that they're going to inherit if climate action doesn't happen right now. And we also wrote intentionally for young kids, but also for the adults in their lives. And we know that, you know, if it's a kid's book, odds are there may be an adult that is reading it along with them or for the podcast listening with someone else. And so we know that kids can influence the adults in their lives too. And that was the case for me. I think that my own family has been so much more knowledgeable about the issue of climate change and what climate justice is because of my work in organizing for it. And that can be the case for so many more people. There are millions of kids in the U.S. and around the world who deserve to have this knowledge but just don't have the resources to learn about it. And like we were talking about earlier, young people have a potential to breathe life into the climate justice movement and they just need the tools to be able to do that. Yes, totally. I mean, I have a four and a half year old, so I'm really excited to get your book and to listen to your podcast. And he, I can really see how quickly and easily kids understand the issues. So yes, there's aspects of climate justice that are very complex in terms of how we want to approach solutions. But there's some really simple things that kids can learn. Young kids, I mean, my son will not let us walk by 
any piece of plastic or garbage on the road mm-hmm. without cleaning it up. And I'll message Anne Therese in the middle of a walk being like literally on my way into a chiropractic appointment carrying garbage because my son wouldn't let me just leave it there and get it on the way back. Yeah. So I'm so excited to read your book. One of the things that both Anne Therese and I have talked about and thought about is, you know, when you know about how challenging things are right now for us and for the climate and how dire it is and how urgent this is. How do you find, you know, talking to kids, talking to youth, you know, being young yourself, what's important to keep in mind as you're learning these things? I think, you know, both to continue to learn and keep going, but also to take care of yourself. It's really hard. So I think that one thing that's really important to emphasize is that there are people and corporations who are working against climate justice. And that's been the reality for a long time. We talked about how fossil fuel uh, industry leaders knew about climate change and decided not to act. And that's the same case for the government. And that's something that we want to put at the front of how we talk about climate change and emphasizing that it is a decision, but also really emphasizing the fact that We have hope, and that's why we continue to organize. If people didn't believe that a better future was possible, then people wouldn't be mobilizing in droves all around the world in an intergenerational way, in an international movement. And so we know that young people are eager to join a collective movement and support a higher cause, and that's because there is hope there. And there is optimism about the ability to make change. And we now have the channels to join movements instantly. And there's so many different ways. You can join the climate strikes movement. You can work on climate justice education. You can work locally on on environmental remediation projects. And there's so many different ways people can get involved now. And we want young people to be aware of that. And and that's really important because being in the environment and being in community with people who care about this issue and who share a vision of a just future in which we live in harmony with nature is huge Um, because knowing that that vision exists, that alone is powerful. And that is enough to make people feel good about working on this issue and, and not being daunted by this global problem of climate change. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes, just, I know. I'm just like nodding vigorously. <laughs> yeah, I'm just smiling because I'm so big on that. Like, I think it's so important, especially when you're talking to the youth. You know, we can't just continue to hammer down this doom and gloom message of climate change is real and we're all going to die. Or, you know, that may be not the message per se, but you know what I'm saying, like underlining yeah. kind of like the, the the bigger understanding of what climate change means. I think we have to really install that hope in in kids and teenagers that like there is, you know, this incredible opportunity or multiple opportunities for a different kind of world. And now is when we have a chance to make sure that world happens. And so it's about sparking that curiosity and understanding that, you know, we can all come together and make something incredible happen. And I try to bring myself back to this vision of like, this can be the most exciting time ever to be alive, because honestly, we all get a chance to play a really important part in creating a different kind of world. And, you know, if this is so momentous, like this is so big where even if you look back at history, I don't think we've ever gone through something like this before where the whole world takes part 
And so I think we all have to remember that, like, this is pretty damn exciting, right? Like, I know it's scary because change is scary, but if we can start choosing change every single day in small steps, we get more and more comfortable in that change. And we start asking more questions and we start to reach out to people around us and we get together and we make things happen. And something that I talk a lot about is actually how I'm a firm believer that climate action brings really good stuff like happiness and mental health, especially when you do so in community with others, because, and I talk about my, the happiness hormones, which are dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and, and endorphins. When you start to do these things, you show up for the work, you learn new things, you start to like put what you just learned into action. You reach out to people around you, you start to build a community and you, you meet up and you do these things together. Like you will start feeling really, really good because your body will literally reward you for all this work. And so for me, it's like, if anything, show up for climate action as a, an act of self-love and an empowerment and healing. And I want to ask you, because you've been so involved you know, in climate action and in mobilizing for a long time now, do you agree with that? Do you feel like it actually does make you feel better on, like, you know, on a physical level, is what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, it definitely does. And I think that, oh, it's just a, a huge rush like every time you go to a march or a rally where there's so many people gathered together for this one reason for for acting on climate change and that was the case for the youth climate marches it continues to be the case for the global climate strikes and we're seeing that they keep happening and that's great and we know that there's momentum and every time i go to one of those it's this huge moment and this realization again just like the very first time that there's this whole community of people who are working on this. And it's so exciting. And if you haven't been to a rally or a march, you definitely have to go. It is life-changing being around so many people joining together for that one cause. People that you don't even know. People that will just strike up conversation on the street with you and ask what kind of things that you do for the environment. And so it is really amazing uh, to be a part of. Yeah, you start bonding. You really feel like, wow. It's just, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I haven't been to like many marches, but I've been to a few. And it is that sense of like, you're on a high, right? It's like, do I just take a drug because I feel like I'm like, yeah. literally on a different cloud right now. And I think that's something that people who may have never been to one, not to like make someone feel excluded here, but just to, like to explain, you know, why people do this. It's not that we... And it, it is building momentum. Like, I think it's because of the climate march, especially from the youth that, you know, global leaders are starting to, to really take action. So it's been an incredible movement, I think, in the past five years or so. But it is also just to fuel our own commitments and feel like we can do this, right? Like, it's a reminder of like, things are possible. And we're literally part of the change as we speak. Yeah. yeah. And it, it helps us to tap into that sense of community. I mean, that's something that we've learned I know, in a previous season in this podcast is that your sense of community is so powerful to help drive your own action. Whatever it is, the small daily changes that you might make in your own home, those things are fueled when you get together with other people and you're having those conversations and better, you're raising your voice, you're creating you know, banners and signs and you're moving together towards something, towards that better future together, it is exhilarating. And it absolutely, I'll say for myself, having only been to one climate march, that still sustains me to this day, that I reflect on that and I use that energy 
that I know that I'm not alone in this. You know, when you're sitting in your own house, in your own condo, wherever you are in the city, in the country, and it can feel isolating, like, am I the only person working on this? No, you are not. You are not alone. There's a lot of us out there. And if you're new to this work, join us. You're going to want to get in on this. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So Zanaji, is there anything else that's coming up for you? I know you have a lot of exciting things that we've talked about. The expedition is so major. You know, you've written this book, you've been doing this podcast. Is there anything else that you'd want to share with us today? Yeah. So speaking of actions, we are doing a big call to action for people to travel to Washington, D.C. in October. So if you're based in the U.S., we encourage you to head down in October for the People versus Fossil Fuels Action. This is happening from October 11th to October 15th. It's a whole week of actions happening every day and really demanding that the president take action on climate change. And so we'll be there in October in Washington, D.C. You can search people versus fossil fuels and info about the action will uh, show up. You can RSVP to the event. There will be buses being coordinated from different cities and all that. So that'll be really huge. Uh, Of course, we are looking forward also to COP26 in Glasgow. And we'll be highlighting different things that international leaders can do on climate change and what they can take away from Uh, the negotiations in Scotland on social media and through our email list from Zero Hour. So you can follow Zero Hour at This Is Zero Hour and visit our website, thisiszerohour.org to learn more about that. And we're also going to be continuing to train organizers. If you want to get involved in this movement, you can attend a training and they're hosted by Zero Hour, by our partners, Uh, get involved in any way that you can, uh, because there are so many different ways you can get involved and join me and Zero Hour and all the things that we're doing. That's amazing. amazing. And for for anybody that has kids, I mean, how young, like in terms of that kind of leadership training, how young do you usually go? So our trainings are tailored for uh, high school and college students. But we also have resources for everyone. So we have our Getting to the Roots series, which is an education series about our platform, uh, which talks about capitalism, racism, patriarchy, and colonialism as the root cause of climate change. Um, We also have a presentation about the Green New Deal, where people can learn about that. Uh, And all of these resources are available at uh, thisiszerohour.org. And then if if you have even younger kids, there's other resources. You can check out my kid's book, a kid's book about climate change. We'll be launching the podcast 1.5, a kid's podcast about climate justice really soon. And yeah, uh, look for other resources. There's also a resources page on the Global Choices website. Um, that you can check out for uh, resources about the Arctic, learning in general about climate change and all of that. That's amazing. So for anybody who's listening right now, there is something for you. There's something for your family. There's something for your kids. You know, tell a neighbor, tell a friend, tell your mom. Let's get more people in on this conversation. The more that we know, we know that knowledge is power. So if you have that question of what's going on, how can I get involved? please check out these resources and join us in this work. And we will link them in the show notes. So yes. sure check them out. So Najee, this has been so incredible. I feel like 
I, I, I kind of wish there was a climate march that I can join this week. And craving <laughs> that energy right now. But this has been so great. And you are a superstar. I am so excited for you to go to the polars and, and really, you know, experience that firsthand. And I can't wait to follow you on that journey. And thank you for everything you're doing for the planet and for the youth and for yourself and your community. So we're so honored to have had you here on Hey Change Podcast. And I want to end with this question because I am the climate optimist, as I call myself. And so, of course, I have to ask you, do you believe in a climate optimistic future? And if so, why? Yes, I really do. I think that optimism is at the root of my organizing, my activism, and also the the work of so many others who are optimistic about creating a just future. And there are so many signs pointing to the fact that we are making change from the 2020 elections and to talk about climate change in the election cycle, uh, action on climate change from day one in the White House in the U.S., getting ready to go to COP26 and, and seeing, you know, leaders are taking action, people are working on the Paris Accord, and there are so many things from the movement itself. People are still striking. There's going to be another stri- climate strike on September 24th. And there's a strike map if you go to uh, fridaysforfuture.org if you want to check out if you can head to a strike. And there is just so much science that are showing us that we are making progress, that we have a reason to be optimistic about a better future. And so I am uh, a climate optimist as well. And I, I really like that uh, because we have reasons to be hopeful and we will still call for urgent action and the need to protect the environment and to act on climate justice. But in the meantime, we have our communities and we have people we're organizing alongside and we continue to be optimistic for a better future. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you, Zanaji. This has been such a great conversation. I know for myself, I'm so like fired up right now and full of that hope and optimism that you bring. Thank you so much for your work and for speaking with us today. And I will say too, it's because of people like you and you too, Robin, that I am optimistic. So these are my reasons for climate optimism. It's people like us and people like you, our listeners, who are choosing to learn about climate change and to empower ourselves and to say, what can I do to make a change? And how can we start getting to a new kind of world starting today? Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you both so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Hey Change podcast. If you'd like to support the show, please share this episode with friends, family, or someone in your network. Also, don't forget to give it five stars in the app so that we can reach more listeners just like you. We love hearing from our listeners, so please tag us when you share this episode on social media. We'd love to connect with you and learn about what you are doing too. You can find where to reach us in the show notes. Before you go, we'd like to invite you to pause and to leave you with this one final question. What does being an optimist in action mean to you? Thank you.